This morning's Bible reading is from Acts 14, verse 3 to 15. So Paul and Barnabas spent considerable time at Iconium, speaking boldly for the Lord, who confirmed the message of his grace by enabling them to perform signs and wonders. The people of the city were divided. Some sided with the Jews, others with the apostles. There was a plot afoot among both Gentiles and Jews, together with their leaders, to ill-treat them and stone them. But they found out about it and fled to Lycanian, cities of Lystra and Derbe, and to the surrounding country, where they continued to preach the gospel. In Lystra there sat a man who was lame. He had been that way from birth and had never walked. He listened to Paul as he was speaking. Paul looked directly at him, saw that he had faith to be healed, and called out, Stand up on your feet. At that, the man jumped up and began to walk. When the crowd saw what Paul had done, they shouted in the Lysonian language, The gods have come down to us in human form. Barnabas they called Zeus, and Paul they called Hermes, because he was the chief speaker. The priest of Zeus, whose temple was just outside the city, brought bulls and wreaths to the city gates because he and the crowd wanted to offer sacrifices to them. But when the apostles Barnabas and Paul heard of this, they tore their clothes and rushed out into the crowd shouting, Friends, why are you doing this? We too are only human like you. We are bringing you good news, telling you to turn from these worthless things to the living God who made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. The Gospel reading is from Matthew 9, verse 1 to 8. Jesus stepped into a boat, crossed over and came to his own town. Some men brought him a paralyzed man lying on a mat. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the man, Take heart, son, your sins are forgiven. At this, some of the teachers of the law said to themselves, This fellow is blaspheming. Knowing their thoughts, Jesus said, Why do you entertain evil thoughts in your hearts? Which is easier to say, Your sins are forgiven, or to say, Get up and walk? But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the paralyzed man, Get up, take your mat and go home. Then the man got up and went home. When the crowd saw this, they were filled with awe, and they praised God, who had given such authority to man. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning, everyone. So, as we continue to journey through the Acts, the Acts of the Holy Spirit, our sermon series, the message today is about healing in the power of of the Holy Spirit. So let's pray and see what we can learn. Lord, we thank you that you are a God who heals. We pray that you would come by your Holy Spirit, pour out your love into our hearts and make them receptive to your holy word. In Jesus' name, amen. 
So, as I said this morning, the subject is healing, and later on during communion, and just, just after we've taken bread and wine together, there'll be an opportunity for all of us to receive prayer for healing, if we'd like to, from our prayer ministry team. Interestingly enough, in our lunchtime Alpha group this week, we were addressing the subject of healing. And I shared with the group about a time some 15 years ago when I was leading another Alpha group at Greyfriars Church. And there was a young lady who was in the group there called Andrea. And about halfway through the course, on one particular evening, she arrived in floods of tears. She had just had it confirmed that she had indeed fallen pregnant, as she had very much hoped and prayed for. But when she'd gone for her 12-week scan, the nurse had seen something wrong, had called the consultant in to have a look, who said that and told her that the, uh, the, I think it was the wall of her uterus was damaged and that they should expect to lose the baby, that he had never seen uh, damage like this come result in a, in, a, in a healthy baby and that she and her husband should prepare themselves to lose the baby. That evening, the subject was prayer. And we always finish up that evening uh, on prayer by asking for any prayer needs in the group. And of course, that particular evening, there was no avoiding the one massive black cloud that was hanging over the group. And so I suggested that a few of us gather around Andrea, lay our hands on her, and pray for a miracle. And I felt incredibly exposed. I had practically no faith at all in what I was doing. And I imagined that in the next few days or a week or two, we would hear that the baby had been lost and Andrea would have probably dumped the Alpha course and the church and God. And that was my fear. That was my fear. A few weeks later, Andrea bounded into the Alpha course with a huge smile on her face. She had just had a follow-up scan and was told that everything was normal everything. The uterus was perfect, that she could expect an entirely normal pregnancy. The doctors couldn't understand or explain why, but there it was, clear as daylight. And she went on to have a healthy child. I was so surprised, I was actually shocked that God had healed her. I was so surprised, while also being delighted, of course. And I suppose that despite my Christian faith, which was quite new at the time, Probably, I'd only come to faith three or four years before. While I could accept that Jesus did some extraordinary and amazing things in the Gospels, and the Apostles continued to do that through the book of Acts, it was clear that I was still pretty cynical that miracles could happen today. But as I've read more, and I've learned more, and experienced more, and heard more about instances of people being healed, I have become convinced that although that although god heals in many ways including through the natural body processes including through doctors and nurses and consultants and the medical profession i've also become convinced that we should expect god on occasions to heal supernaturally and miraculously today and i think the passages that we've just heard read can help us in several ways to go deeper into the mystery of healing in the power 
of God's Holy Spirit. But first, I want to just ask a question. How many of us need healing? How many of us need healing? And I would put it to you that the answer is all of us need healing. Some of us may not need obvious physical healing, but Jesus' ministry of healing was as broad as you could possibly imagine. Yes, restoring sight to the blind. Yes, setting people free of demons. So many people today need to be released from the bondage of past hurts, from phobias and fears, from anger, from things like pornography and addictive habits like too much screen time or TV time, eating disorders. The list is endless. Most of all, we need healing from our sins. The things that we do and have done that are wrong. The Bible is quite clear about this. Sin is universal. The Apostle Paul makes it clear in Romans chapter 3, verse 23, that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Not some or most, but all. When the friends of the paralysed man we just heard in the story brought him on a stretcher to Jesus with an obvious and massive physical illness, paralysis, Jesus attended first to his greatest need. Your sins are forgiven, he said. The most important thing of all, before any physical healing we might need, is our spiritual need to be put right in our relationship with God. We need God's forgiveness. And Jesus made this possible by taking all our sins on himself by paying the price we should have paid as he died on the cross instead of us. And just like the paralysed man, if we come to Jesus and ask for his healing in our lives, the first and most important thing that he does is to save us from our sins as we turn away from the rubbish in our lives and put our trust in him. He forgives us and heals us and puts us right with God. As Paul writes in his letter to the Christians in Rome, to the believers, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And we find throughout the Bible that it is in God's very nature to heal. I am the Lord who heals you, God says in Exodus 15. And throughout the Old Old Testament, we see examples of God healing people. He heals King Jeroboam's hand. He heals the Shunammite woman. He heals, as we heard earlier in Jan's story, he heals Naaman of leprosy. And often, faith and healing do go hand in hand. Healing can raise faith. And as faith is raised, our expectancy that God could heal is raised. But if healing was evident in the Old Testament, it is widespread and central to Jesus' ministry and the Apostles' ministry in the New Testament. A quarter of all of the Gospels are about people being healed of all kinds of things. Although Jesus didn't heal every single sick person, 
We often read about him healing individuals like the paralysed man or even groups of people. And his healing is always accompanied by his preaching. He preached the good news of the kingdom and he healed the sick. And then he asked his followers to do the same. And they did. Look at our reading from Acts 14. The first verse of our reading. We're told Paul and Barnabas spent considerable time, that's in Iconium, speaking boldly for the Lord, who confirmed the message of his grace by enabling them to to perform signs and wonders. So here we see one of the key principles surrounding miraculous healing playing out in the lives of the believers. The signs and wonders accompany the preaching of the word. Healing in the New Testament is never healing for the sake of healing. Jesus did not come to do away with doctors and surgeons or even drug companies. Healing in the power of the Spirit was and is a sign. And it's a sign that the kingdom of God is breaking through into, rea- into present reality. Another aspect of the great mystery of Christian healing is that healing seems to occur at God-ordained moments, just as it did on a particular day in the next town when the apostles move on to Lystra. If you look down to verse 8, we read that there was a man who was lame from birth, had never walked. And in verse 9 it says, he listened to Paul as he was speaking. So Paul is bringing the word. Paul looked directly at him and saw that he had faith to be healed and called out, stand up on your feet. And at that the man jumped up and began to walk. Paul saw that he had faith to be healed. In other words, Paul discerned, presumably by the Spirit, that this was a God-ordained moment, a special situation. The Greeks had a word for this. They called it a kairos moment, a specific moment in time when Paul was absolutely sure that the healing was going to come. And what that tells us is that there were probably dozens of other occasions when he would see people in similar situations when he did not get that same sense and presumably did not approach them in the same way. But please be clear on one thing. It's really important, this. I'm not saying that the person who needs healing has to have sufficient faith for the healing to occur. I'm not saying that. There is no doubt that faith has to be present, but as our gospel reading shows, the faith can reside in others, not necessarily in the person who is healed. Because if you look at verse 2 in our Matthew passage, it says, some men brought to Jesus a paralysed man lying on a mat. When Jesus saw their faith, in other words, the faith of the men who brought him, he says to the man, take heart. Why? Because up to that moment, the paralysed man clearly lacked faith or hope that his life might change. He wasn't expecting much. So we never, t- we never ever say to someone who is not healed when we pray for them that it's down to their lack of faith. Look at verse 11 in our Acts passage. 
When the crowd saw what Paul had done, they shouted, the gods have come down to us in human form. Now, of course, while that may be true in a certain sense in the life of Jesus, Paul is very quick to dispel any such thoughts that he himself had any power to heal. Because in verse 15, he says, friends, we're only human like you, bringing you good news and that it's the God who made heaven and earth they should be worshipping. Now it's true that some people have special healing ministries, uh, and for some reason they have a gift, and God seems to work especially uh, powerfully through them. But it's God who heals, and God we should be worshipping. And he can heal through anyone, and anyone can pray for healing. In 2000, the year 2000, a lovely lady called Sandy, who's a great friend, came along to the evening service, uh, as she normally did, uh, at Greyfriars, and uh, she was on the crutches that she'd been using for years, uh, uh, several years, many years, um, because she was suffering from a debilitating disease. And at the end of the service... Sandy went up to one of the prayer ministry team and asked for prayer. When the minister concerned asked her what she would like prayer for, she smiled, lifted up her crutches and said, complete healing. The person concerned, whose name was Phil, who had seen Sandy come into church on her crutches week after week, year after year, probably felt much like I did when Andrea had told us about the baby she expected to lose. Lord, help. And maybe that's the best place to be. But he did what she asked and prayed for complete healing in Jesus' name. And within a few minutes, Sandy had regained the strength in her legs, was healed of her lameness, and was leaping around in the car park outside, delirious with joy at being miraculously healed by Jesus. Isn't that amazing? Sandy lives on Southcote Lane, and I still see her from time to time, or quite often. She's sometimes on reception at at the uh, Greyfriars Centre. And it's great to talk to her and be reminded of that special day. And all through church history, long after the last books of the Bible were written, Christians have witnessed and recorded miraculous healings in response to prayer. Many of the great church fathers, like Justin Martyr, Irenaeus, Tertullian, Oregon, St. Augustine, who lived hundreds of years after Jesus, all wrote of extraordinary, miraculous healings performed in the name of Jesus. St. Augustine wrote, Even now, he said, miracles are wrought in the name of Christ. But why then are so many people apparently not healed when we pray for them? I mean, if he was a loving God, surely he would want to heal everyone. Well, I think if we just step back and think about it logically, if everyone was healed every time we prayed for any kind of sickness or ill health or injury, then of course... Logic says no one would ever die. We would always pray our loved ones back into life and health. But that's not how God has set up the world. And that's not his plan for our ultimate healing. 
which is, of course, our salvation. Back in 2001, I visited one of Kirsty's great friends in hospital who was our age, just in her early 40s, and she was dying of cancer. I arrived at 8 in the morning. I sat on a chair beside her bed. She wasn't a churchgoer as far as we knew. She didn't have a faith. And as I sat with her, I told her about our hope in Jesus. And when I finished, I asked her if she would like to receive prayer to go to be with Jesus when she died. And she nodded that she would like to because she couldn't speak because of her illness was so advanced. And so I prayed with her and she asked Jesus into her life and asked him to take her home. And Jackie died that night. And her husband, Andy, told us afterwards that when he went in to see her in the afternoon, she was much more peaceful than she had been in the preceding days. She'd been quite anxious in the days before that, but she was really peaceful at the end. And I believe that what Jackie experienced was the greatest healing of all. Every single one of us is going to die. But to die in Christ, to die believing in Jesus, is to be ultimately healed and brought to eternal life. There's one last thing I would say about being prayed for for healing. Quite often I've heard stories of people asking for prayer for healing for a particular ailment, but when they were prayed for, God has done something completely different. God has moved, he's acted, very obviously, but he's done something completely different than the prayer that was being asked for. And one of my favourite stories about this, and many of you may know it, is a a barrister who'd been attending a central London church and went along to a healing service where the leader was giving out specific words of knowledge which the prayer team felt God had given them before the service for different ailments for healing. And at one point the leader said that he felt God wanted to heal 12 people in the congregation of athlete's foot. Now that may seem a bit off the wall or a bit trivial, but here's what happened next. 11 people went forward for prayer. And so the barrister's wife, who knew perfectly well that he had athlete's foot, was elbowing him in the ribs to tell him to go forward for prayer. And eventually, when the pain in his ribs became more than he could bear, he went forward. He got over his embarrassment and went forward. And he was prayed for. And the Spirit of God came on him so powerfully that he started to cry out, Stop! No more! No more! As the prayer ministry person was praying for him, saying, More, Lord, more! He was saying, No more! No more! And he he said it felt like 12,000 volts of electricity going through him. And in the end, he was causing such a commotion that the leader asked a couple of people to take him out. And, uh, and as he went out, the leader had a word of prophecy. And he pointed to the barrister, who by this stage was halfway out of the room, and said, that man is being anointed to preach 
the gospel. The leader of that meeting that night was a man called John Wimber. And the man, the barrister he was pointing to, was a man called Nicky Gumbel, who went on to be ordained, who has taken the Alpha course to millions of people all around the world and helped lead them to Christ. He'd gone up for prayer for athlete's foot, which incidentally was not healed that night. (laughs) And God had commissioned him to become a hugely effective minister of the gospel. Now, I hope that story doesn't put you off coming up for prayer today. Okay. But hopefully, it does make the point that just as with the healing of the paralyzed man, sometimes when we come to God and ask him to heal one thing, be it physical, emotional, psychological, or spiritual, he has a more important priority for us, like forgiving us or asking us to forgive someone else. All he asks of us is open minds and obedient hearts. So let's not miss this opportunity today. After we've remembered Jesus in the sacrifice that he made on the cross, in the bread and the wine. And incidentally, I've heard of people being healed as they've eaten the bread. I've heard of people healed as they've drunk the wine. So be expectant. Let's come up with open hearts for healing prayer and allow the Holy Spirit to minister God's love to us. In Jesus' name, amen.